Greetings everybody. Today we are continuing to speak along the lines of Romans chapter 2 wherein Paul comes and talks about the wrath of God and uses the wrath of God in a powerful way to explain that everything is by faith and not by the works of the law. Isn't that absolutely beautiful to think that we can use or that the Apostle Paul used the wrath of God defined as the non-involvement or uninvolvement of God in a person's life where a person should he want to live by his own power which was the case of Adam and Eve wherein he demonstrates and shows and gives them over to live that way and then Paul comes and he says do you see that should you not believe and trust God that you cannot live and that this death was evident in both Jew as well as Gentile and therefore should Jesus conquer death that both Jew and Gentile is included. That is what Romans 1 and 2 is basically all about. Now before we get into the message today I would like to speak to um, I want I would like to speak to you maybe you feel that um, you miss out if you don't understand understand the depths of the scriptures now I want to bring peace to your heart in telling you that there's nothing more that I can teach you or any person can teach you than the gospel the gospel is defined as that that Jesus died that he was buried pointing to the fact that he was physically dead and that he rose again and that he will return and so give the same resurrection to those who believe upon him if you believe that you have reached the depths of understanding you have reached the depths of the gospel you nothing can be added to you if you believe that and you include yourself into that wherein your hope and the expectation from where you live is that this resurrected Jesus will and does rule in your life bringing forth his life into you by his doing whereby you are patiently waiting for him to give you that eternal life that bodily eternal life and even should you die you have the hope that you will be raised if that is what you believe I want to tell you my friend there is no person with a doctorate degree or a theologian not even the Apostle Paul can teach you anything more not even Jesus can teach you more that is as deep as what it gets that is the pivotal point of everything that is what God has given us yet with that understanding this is what I want to say in the first part here should you understand that should you know that nothing can be added and should a person not be able to convince you of anything else nothing can be taken away from you you've you've made it that's it that's how simple it is it's not by works it's by grace eternal life is not by my works 
It is by God that has promised. He's promised from the beginning. He has proven it in raising Jesus from the dead. He's taken this man that he raised from the dead, appointed him as Lord over all, and as we believe and trust in him, it is his job to manifest what God has promised from the beginning, which is eternal life for all of us in us. That's it. If you believe that, that's it. So, we then, in the church, have the Bible. And this Bible is, the New Testament is a 200 something page document. And there's a lot of things that is said in the New Testament. Not even talking about the old and, I mean, over like a 2,000 page book, new and old together. When we look at all of that and we, we say there's so many things that's, that's written there. And there's so many things that sounds as if it contradicts one another and all those kind of things. Maybe it is not your cup of tea to study out all those things. Now, what I found is as I have studied those things out, I've come to understand that they just confirm what I've just told you. That the simple message is all there is. And the beauty is that as you understand all these scriptures, you see that from Genesis, from Moses and the people that wrote Genesis, into the understanding of the Mesopotamian people, into the understanding of the people in the desert and the law, uh, moving into the minor, major and minor prophets, moving into uh, the manifestation of Jesus and the apostles and everything, that everything just says the same thing. That's all. And as we see this very same thing in all these scriptures, it helps our subconscious mind to think that this truth was declared thousands of years before Christ. It was confirmed by David. It was seen in um, Abraham. It's the gospel message is confirmed in Jonah and the flood. The gospel message is confirmed in God saving Lot from uh, destruction. The gospel message is confirmed in the Ten Commandments wherein the law and everything points to God giving us eternal life as a free gift. So with that in mind, as we go into Romans chapter 2, I would like you to know that we are simply now going to seek for this truth in these passages. And we're going to find that should we read these passages in its context, that it is just pointing to the truth that I've just told you. So, when we look at Romans, and uh, I, I want to just quickly summarize what we've said in our previous messages. I don't know how many, there could have been five or six uh, on Romans, which will be a summary of Romans 1 verse 1 to Romans 2 verse 11. This is what we basically conclude what Paul has said. He said, and the first point, major point there is, that eternal life can only be accessed by belief in Jesus, by God. And the scripture wherein he points that out is verse 16, Romans 1, 16, wherein he is saying, that and 17 that the just shall live 
by faith. The just shall have life by believing God, for it is clear and it's quite evident that the wrath of God is revealed to people who d and in people who did not believe in God, but tried to live by their own power. And then Paul having Adam and Eve in mind. Can you see how uh, Romans 1 verse 1 to 17 and 18, it's a long writing with a lot of information, but the crux of the matter is the simple gospel. That is it. Now it's very nice to see uh, the simple gospel in all these verses. Like I said, it confirms our heart. The second point is that this message, that you can only have life by faith in God, and then what Paul has got in the back of his mind here, in Jesus, honoring the Son as we honor the Father, this is true for Jew as well as Gentile. That's what Paul is having in mind. So what is a true gospel? Jesus died, he rose again, and after his resurrection, we have the hope of the resurrection. That's what Paul said in point one. And what we've, we've quickly mentioned as what the gospel is, the depths of everything. And then he goes on and he fur further establishes this point in saying that this is true for both Jew and Gentile. Now what he goes on into from saying it's true for both Jew and Gentile, and that you will be saved, be you Jew and Gent or Gentile, by simply believing in Jesus, he now goes on from verse 19 up to, I would basically say, the end of chapter 7, going into 8, proving that point, that this is true for both Jew and Gentile. And that the Jewish people are not exempt from the wrath of God or that they cannot be saved from death by the fact that they have the law. Last week we've said it this way and I want to elaborate a little bit on it. If you are a police officer, uh, the fact that you are a police officer does not set you free from having uh, a desire to drive fast. If you are a person that was speeding and you loved speeding and then you go and study and you become a police officer, the moment you become a police officer, that law that you have now the power to enforce or the fact that the law was now given to you to show to all people who are sinners, that law cannot set you free from speeding you would still want to speed. And that is what Paul is basically saying when we, um, we get to the whole thing about the Jews in, in, in the fifth point I have there in the notes. It is that having a law cannot deliver you from death. Only faith in Jesus can. Okay, so what is Paul saying and what are we summarizing in Romans 1 verses 1 to 2 verse 11? We are saying that Paul says that the gospel is the good news 
and the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, and that is for the Jew and the Gentile, for the scripture says, the only way whereby we can have life is by faith in him, for it is very evident that when people did not have faith in him, Adam and Eve, that death came to all, be they Jew or Gentile, people are dying. And then he is uh, thinking immediately in his mind that if he has an opponent standing against him as a Jew, that they will immediately say, yeah, but we Jews are exempt because unto us are given the law and because we are physical Jews uh, or Israel, uh, descendants of Abraham, we've been given the law. And since we now have the law, we're exempt of this because we are the light to people. So the kingdom belongs to us. And then Paul goes on and his argument is then in chapter 2 to the Jewish people saying to them, listen guys, I'm also a Jew. You, as much as what the Gentiles are rejecting God and not believing in him, you are rejecting God because God gave you the law, but you're not even doing the law. That means you're rejecting God. You're just as much without God as the Gentiles. Therefore, all people can only be saved by faith in Jesus. That is what he is saying. Now, with that in mind, let us go to um, Romans Two, verse 12. I forgot to put page numbers on this. That would be one, two, page 3 in our notes. We're going to Romans 2.12. Now, when we get into Romans 2 verse 12, we need to understand that Paul has now got end time judgment in mind. And he's trying to say that all people will perish that has not believed in Jesus. That is what he's trying to say. And let us read verse 12 there. Now, just before we read, if you've got a pen there in your Bible, if you've got your Bible there or the notes with you, just put a bracket at verse 13. Open a bracket there, verse 13 before the word for, and then at the end of verse 15, after the word another, put a bracket again, because that should be read as within brackets. Meaning that we can read verse 12 and verse 16 as one verse, basically, to get the con concept of what he is saying. Now, let us do that. It says, for as many as have sinned without the law, they will perish without the law. But as many as have sinned within the law shall be judged by the law. And you will see there, I've just put there, which has got the same consequences. In the day, verse 16, when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Let's read it again. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned with the law shall be judged by the law in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now let's read it again. For as many as have sinned without the law, let me put other words, for as many Gentiles as what they were that did not have the physical Ten Commandments and the laws handed to them and have not believed in Jesus, or even those that have received the Ten Commandments and the law that have not believed in Jesus, they shall perish 
in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So what is Paul saying? Remember, Paul starts in chapter 1 verse 18. And he is using the wrath of God or perishing without Jesus or perishing without God as a concept. He is saying, I want to prove to you that no person can live by his own works. The scripture says, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God, the promise of death that God gave, should you not trust the only source of life, is evident in all those who took the truth, which was that you can only live by God, that gives it to you for free. Those who took those truths and suppressed it, and didn't believe that, but went over to become wise in their own eyes, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, referring now to Adam and Eve, we can see in their lives that they were perishing and dying. And that is true, be the person a Jew or be a Gentile, it doesn't matter. And I want to say to everybody, I'm speaking as Paul now, and I want to say to everybody that thinks that you are exempt from this just because you've been given the law, I've got news for you. Only the doers of the law are just before God. And can you do the law? For I want to say to you that what the law actually says is to believe upon Jesus. Because in the day of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will judge according to the gospel those who have not had the physical law and those who have had the physical law according to this. Have they obeyed what the law actually says which is to believe in God and not obey the commandments of the law but just simply trust God that is what Paul is saying <laughs> it sounds very complicated but it is so simple Paul uses wrath as the foundation of an argument to say that all people are included in the promise, for God has promised eternal life to all those who cannot live by themselves. When do you need a promise of eternal life? Is when you don't have it. That's when you need the promise. So Paul comes and he says, Jews, you have the promise, but Gentiles all also have the promise. Why? Because all are dying. It's evident that we can only live by faith. You Jews live by the law, but you are dying. The Gentiles live by the law, and their lives fall apart. So I want to say to you, we are all in the same sinking ship, and we all need a Savior. Therefore, let us all repent. Let the Gentiles repent of their idol worship and believe upon Jesus. And let us as Jews repent and believe upon Jesus. That is what Paul is saying. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to read once more. Sorry if this sounds a bit irritating, but I want to read once more Romans 2, 12 and 16 together. For as many as have sinned without the law will perish. Now, 
or they will perish without the law. And as many as have sinned within the law shall be judged by the law, which means they will be judged as sinners and perish. And this will happen in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now we're going to look at what secrets of men means and all those kind of things. It looks like, oh, God knows all my secrets and what I've done wrong. And now Jesus is going to judge me in the last day. Now that's not what it means. Remember, all that it's going to mean in the end of the day is the simple gospel. Which is that Jesus died, he was buried, he was raised from the dead, and those who believe in him will have the resurrection. And there is a day when this resurrection is going to take place. And when the Bible says, in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, it's all going to be in the day when God is going to give and bring judgment, which is give eternal life to those who have believed upon him. That is all. That's what it means. So we're not going to deviate from the simple gospel. We're just going to see how does the simple gospel fit in here. For as many as have sinned without the law will also perish. Now let us go to uh, John 3.16. This is what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, Romans 2.12. For as many as have sinned without the law, will also perish without the law. So what is he saying? The Gentiles that don't have the Ten Commandments, if they sin, what would sin be? For God so loved the world that... Um, that he gave, uh, sorry, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He that believes on him, verse 18, is not condemned but that he that believes not is condemned. Okay, so what is sin? Sin is not to believe in Jesus. That's what he says. He says, the Gentile that don't have the law, should he not believe in Jesus and that it's a free gift from God, he will die on account of not believing the truth which God preached to Adam and Eve, which was, by me, you can have eternal life as a free gift. That's what he's saying. And then it says, but as many as have um, have sinned within the law shall be judged by the law now what is the work of the law what is the purpose of the law the law was given so that sin might abound and according to chapter 3 we're going to get into that in the next uh, few weeks according to chapter 3 the the law is actually the message that you should believe in jesus that is it. So those who were given the physical Ten Commandments, in the end, they will then also perish or be judged by this law that was pointing them to Jesus. And if they've sinned under the law, it meant that the law was pointing them to believe in Christ and now they refuse to believe in Jesus. That's all that it's, that's all that it's saying.
Now, Paul explains why it is like this. He says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Okay. <laughs> Justification as a doer of the law. How do we do the law? How do I obey the law? I obey the law this way. The law says, believe in Jesus. The Bible says that Christ establishes the law. It says that, the, that Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness. So if I've believed in Jesus, I have already fulfilled the law. Even if I did not have a physical law given to me as a Gentile, or even if I was a Jew or am a Jew under the law, when I've believed in Jesus, I have done what the law said I must do. The law says that I must believe in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment or the fullness, the end goal of the law. So, should I simply believe in Jesus? I need no law to point me to Christ anymore. That's why the law is then fulfilled in Christ and I have believed upon him. There's no need for a law for me at all. Okay? So here we are seeing that he says, For the hearers of the law are not just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. A doer of the law is one who believes in Jesus. Romans 3.20, I've got it in the notes there. Verse 14, For when the nations who do not have a law do by nature the things of the, uh, of the law, these not, not having a law are a law unto themselves, who shows the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts between one another, accusing or excusing one another. What is Paul saying there? He's simply saying, listen guys, if you hear the law, and you believe what the law says, you will believe in Jesus, and you will not sin. That's how you obey the law. But the Gentile, who don't have this physical law, this is how I'm going to answer their case. If they don't have a physical law, but some of them have believed upon Jesus, the life that comes forth on account of belief in Jesus will testify that belief in Jesus saves and gives life. And that will then be a message that points other people to believe in Jesus. And that's why they are a law unto themselves. Their own lives are showing you need to believe in Jesus. For by nature, the new nature, we are a new creation. We can read that in 2 Peter 1 verse 4. Uh, we have a divine nature. If they by nature do the things commanded in the law. In other words, what was the law saying? The law was saying, don't hate your neighbor, don't do all these things, you cannot do this by your own power, rather believe upon Jesus for life. If they have believed upon Jesus, and now the things of the law, which is to love your neighbor and do no harm to him, uh, is now inside them, and we start to see what Paul calls the first fruit of the Spirit inside them, them being conscious of the life that is a free gift is now also a law unto the other Gentiles pointing the other Gentiles to have faith in Jesus and not to live by their works. As what the law of Moses pointed people not to have faith in their own works but faith in Jesus Christ. 
And that is what he says then in verse 16, that when God will judge the secrets of men, which is what they believe in their heart. By Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. So what he's saying is this. In the last day, according to the good news that Jesus was raised from the dead, those who, who have believed upon Jesus, who've obeyed the law, be the law manifested as Ten Commandments and the Old Testament ordinances pointing you to believe in Jesus, or be the law, Gentiles that have believed in the gospel and have a life now born from the gospel as pointing people to believe in Jesus, be the law in any of those two forms, that in the day when Jesus Christ comes, all people will be judged or be treated according to Jesus as these laws has pointed them unto Christ to either have resurrection life or not. That is what it is. That is the simplicity of this whole thing. Now Paul goes on. I'm not going to uh, uh, hammer on that anymore. If you want to understand it more, go and read that passage 15 times. Get familiarized with the verses and the concepts there. And then listen to what I've just said in the previous 10, 15 minutes for three or four times. And have your heart open. I'm sure you will just see how simple it is. Then, um, now I, I don't say that because I think you cannot understand. That is what I went through to basically uh, to get into this. Now let's go to verse 17. It says, Behold, you are called a Jew. Now he basically tells the Jewish people that you cannot find your life as a Jew in the fact that you have the law given to you as a Jew and think you're going to be saved by that. It cannot save you, as I've explained about the police officer. It says here, Behold, you are called a Jew. You rest in the law and boast in God and know his will and approve of the things excelling being instructed out of the law, and persuade yourselves, listen, they, they persuade themselves to be a guide to the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor to the foolish, a teacher of babes, verse 20 now, who have a form of knowledge and of the truth of the law. Therefore, the one teaching another, do you not teach yourself? The one preaching not to steal, do you steal? The one saying not to commit adultery, do you commit adultery? The one detesting idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? You must now see what's happening here. Paul, in a rhetoric way, is addressing basically the Jew inside himself, asking Jewish questions in his own argument i do that many times myself i was thinking um you know in our studio here we've got some large windows and as i'm preaching now it's all closed and sealed off so we only have the the light inside here but uh, during the day as i go through my message i will stand here on the stage and i will preach the message <laughs> you know actually reasoning with myself and I will take Romans and I will read it out loud and as I read this out loud I will reason 
that out. Speak it out loud here. And I was thinking, I don't know what somebody would think that walks past here seeing me going on like that. But I would, as I preach now, as loud as what I preach now, as I'm doing it now, I will do it. And then I, in my mind, there will come a counter-argument. And then I will argue with myself, with that thought. And I will address that thought. And I will say, well, you might say, my wife always comes to me and she says to me when I'm talking like that, she says, to whom are you speaking? And what's the argument? Because that's, that is exactly what Paul is busy with here in Romans. He is firstly saying, well, you guys think you've got the physical law. Because that's how he would have answered if he was a Jew and somebody would have preached it to him. That's how he would have answered it. And now the next thing is, well, let me just continue to address this thing with the Jews. You think that you have the law. You boast that you know God. And that is a key there. You say that the Gentiles don't have God, but that you have God. You say that they don't honor God, but you as a Jew, you honor God. But let me take it a bit further. You say that you have God, and you say that God gave you the law. And you say that the Gentiles are dishonoring God by not believing in Him. But you, are you not dishonoring God by not doing His law? Can you see Paul's argument there? He's got an opponent in his mind that he's addressing. And he's answering him in this way. And we need to understand it that way because otherwise we're going to use these verses in such a complex way that we're going to reason away from the simple gospel. And we don't want that. It goes on here, it says, Therefore, the one that teaches another, do you teach yourself? The one who preaches not to steal, do you steal? The one saying not to commit adultery, do you commit adultery? The one detesting idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? And then he just throws in the scripture there. For the name of God is blasphemed among the nations because of you as it's written. Verse 25. For the circumcision truly profits if you keep the law. So what he's actually saying there is, listen Jews, it's good if you circumcised, but you have to continue to honor God. You cannot now live in dishonor, dishonoring God. Well, okay, I am now a Jew, and I say thank you, the promises are to me. I get circumcised in the flesh, hallelujah, and from that day on you dishonor God by not doing His law. He's not trying to explain a principle about trying to be saved by works here. He's trying to simply tell the Jews that you are dishonoring God. You are not believing in God should you make your boast in the flesh. That is what he is saying. They think that through the law they are honoring God. But if your concept is I honor God by doing the law, and you don't do it in one point, you are actually saying, I'm making a disgrace of God and I'm not honoring Him, which would be, in his argument here, as good as unbelief in God. He says, for circumcision truly profits, verse 25, if you keep the law. But if you are a transgressor of the law, circumcision becomes uncircumcision. If then the circumcision, if then the uncircumcision keeps the ordinance of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted as a circumcision? 
So can you see how he's saying? And he's trying to point out that the Gentile who believes in Jesus, who start to bear the fruit of the Spirit on account of the life of God, how can you exclude him from salvation and think you are special just because of your ethnicity? And the uncircumcised, which is by nature, if it fulfills the law, which is to believe in Jesus and have the fruit of the Spirit in, in him on account of belief in Jesus, shall not judge you who through the letter and circumcision become transgressors of the law. So what he is saying, listen guys, if you are not obeying the law physically, you, you, you're not keeping everything, you're not keeping those commandments you live in adultery and fornication and in all those kind of things you're not loving your neighbor you think you're a special people and so forth if that is you and then someone else who don't have the law but have believed on jesus and jesus starts to bring forth fruit in him should he not be the one that teaches you because you are not even honoring god you are dishonoring God. This Gentile that has believed in Jesus has what your law says you should have love and peace and kindness. If he starts to bring that forth in his life on account of God giving that life to him, don't you think he will be your teacher? That is what he's saying. He's not trying to say that you must have these good works to be saved. He's trying to explain that the that belief in Jesus is the only way wherein you can be saved and is using an argument f against a very intellectual Jew that would say, well, we have the law. And he's out arguing him or defeating him in his question and saying, listen, I want to say to you, even if you have the law, if you cannot do all the commandments of the law, then you've dishonored God. But if a person that does not have the law, that is not circumcised, can do the things that you say that, they, that one should be done, which you cannot do, don't you think that he's a bit further than you? This should not be taken and preached in the church all the time. <laughs> it should be preached to, this is actually not written for the whole church. It is written for an intellectual Jewish person that refuses to believe in Jesus, that's got an argument that says, I, can, I am special because I am a Jew and I have the law. That's what was written to in its context. Then it goes on, it says, For he, verse 27, and the, let's read verse 27 again, and we're going to end off with this. And the, and the uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfills the law, which is belief in Jesus and fruit from there, shall it not judge you who through the letter and circumcision became transgressors of the law? It does not have the fruit. You don't believe in Jesus and you've got the fruit of the flesh. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, in the secret place, or in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, um, that's another 20 minutes to explain verse 29, but let us just try and see what we can do. We go, you remember in verse, 
16, it says that God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. The secrets of men is basically judging means to bring forth what is happening in the secret place of man. The secret place of man, to the Jews it was no secret that they were physically circumcised and thereby they were the people of God. It was no secret. But the Gentiles that believed upon Jesus was actually secret Jews. They why? Because they were also circumcised, but not where everybody can know that they are Jews. They were circumcised in heart. How were they circumcised in heart? How were they circumcised in heart? They were circumcised in, in believing something else. They were believing that Jesus will give them eternal life from where they will have life. Okay. So... Um, The, 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 when it talks about, and this is just the point I quickly want to make here, when it talks about judge the secrets of man, it talks about bringing forth what, what is believed. Second point there, and, and, and we have to close with this, it says that circumcision is of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter. So what does it mean? Physical flesh is not cut off by true understanding of the law. But having the life of God, of the Holy Spirit, being given as a source of life, and then the life of the flesh, which means living by your works, cut off as a source of life. So that is what a true Jew is. I've written there in the notes, the spiritual interpretation of the law is an interpretation where the law points to the Spirit of God as the only source of life whereby a new nature is what it amounts to. 2 Corinthians 3.6 Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Glory to God. Well, we pick it up from there next week i trust that this compact teaching that as where i've shared as simple as possible the understanding of we can only be saved by believing in jesus and not our own works in these passages where paul was actually addressing counter arguments to his point that he was making wherein he, in a very intellectual way, was addressing a Jewish, a, a Jewish opponent, which could have just been imaginary, where he was addressing him, and so addressing any Jew that would come up with that argument. And it was, it was like um, a pre-treaty, or a pre-answer to people that might even have had that, a question in their minds so we conclude we can only be saved by by grace through faith in belief in jesus christ that both jew and gentile are in the same sinking ship and that they can only believe in jesus christ that the jew that cannot boast in the fact that he has the law and the gentile that has believed upon jesus christ and have a life born from Jesus Christ is already a message in himself to all other Gentiles doing the same work as the law, 
pointing to others, listen, the life you have is not of the highest quality. Believe in Jesus, thereby you will have life. That is what he's saying all the time. Glory to God. So next week we're going to jump into chapter 3, which is just repetitive of the first two chapters, and there's a little bit more meat added to that. Thank you so much for watching this. Let me uh, just end this off through prayer. Father, I want to thank you that I can stretch forth my hands. And as I just do this towards this camera in my heart, I'm doing it towards everybody that is watching. Thank you, Lord, that you love all people and that life is theirs, understanding is theirs, and the power of the resurrection manifests in them as they are a law unto all, which is a message saying, not by your works, but only by grace. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for watching, and then I will see you again next week. God bless.